Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am back today with Heather Creekmore. She is a homeschool mom of four. She's a blogger, a speaker, and author of the new book called The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. And you've also written another book called Compared to Who? Um, I loved the first part of our conversation. You are bringing so much encouragement to me and I know to our audience as well. And so we uh, we kind of ended that last uh, part with a, a little bit of a cliffhanger. We were talking about the four different kinds of grace. So we talked first about saving grace. We talked next about sanctifying grace. So let's jump into what is the third type of grace? The third type of grace is growing grace. Oh. And- This is where I think it gets really fun, (laughs) okay? Because growing grace is really where we get to figure out how did God design me and what does he have for me to do? And and I think that's where in this whole realm of comparison, we start to find so much freedom, right? Like I I, I use this illustration in my first book, Compared to Who, but my husband and I were going to a conference in Miami. It was a pastor's conference and we were sitting in, we're both type A, so we were super early (laughs) and we were sitting in the terminal and I was just observing people walking through the airport. Hmm. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. People walking through the airport don't look around. They're normally facing like straight ahead. They're on a mission. You walk through the airport on a mission. You're either looking for your gate or you're looking for your bathroom or (laughs) looking for something to eat, right? But you are on a mission. And I feel like I kind of gave you the picture in, in observing that of like, this is how we're supposed to walk through life. We're not supposed to walk through life looking around like, oh, you know, maybe I should be like her or should I do what she's doing? But we should be on mission. And then, you know, I felt like as I was sitting in the airport, God kind of carried that illustration a little further because I was sitting at a gate to go to Miami. Well, how ridiculous would it be to go through security and, and walk through the airport, like looking at all the gates, like, oh, they're going to Miami. That looks nice. Maybe <laughs> I'd rather go to Maui though. Maui's definitely better than Miami, you know, and, but can you get on that plane to Maui? No, you actually can't, right? Right, because because you walk through an airport with something called a boarding pass, right? Right, and they will only let you, especially since you know September 11th, they will only let you get on the airplane that matches what is on your boarding pass. Right. And what I felt like God showed me was we all have this boarding pass within us, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so we can walk through the proverbial airport of life on mission towards that gate that he has for us without being distracted by, well, what would it be like to go to the mountains this time of year right. <laughs> or go here or go here? And, and I feel like there's so much freedom in that. I mean, I, I use the illustration and this may sound absolutely ridiculous to some of your listeners, so bear with me, but I'm just going to say it. Most yeah. people won't. <laughs> Uh, when I realized 
that God's mission in my life was that I would never be a supermodel that I'm only, I'm barely five foot five uh-huh. and a half. <laughs> and I think I weighed what a supermodel weighs maybe in the fourth grade. <laughs> um, but, but when I realized that like, God did not have that as his purpose for me. <laughs> and it took me a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and there was so much freedom in that, right? Yeah. Because I was like, wait, well, why am I chasing that? That's not what he has for me to do. Right. And so, so the freedom and growing grace is just figuring out, okay, how has God designed me? How has he gifted me? What are mm. my spiritual gifts? What's my wiring? Right. And how is he going to use that for his kingdom? And I think that's exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that analogy of being in the airport. And for some reason, when you started talking about that, I was thinking, you know, what would, would be the contrast to that would be like walking through a mall. Right. Because if you're walking through a mall, it's com- a completely different scene than walking Absolutely. through an airport. You're walking through and you're literally looking at everybody who's walking past you. You're looking at what they're wearing. You're looking in all of the stores at the models, even if they're just mannequins, you know, what, what are the mannequins and models wearing? What are on the big poster boards? What are all, you know, what's in all the makeup stores? And it's two completely different worlds. Absolutely. And so I love that. I, I love thinking about our life that way and that, yes, God, I, again, and I, I'm going to just quote this again, because I think it's so powerful. You say in your book, and I mentioned this in the first part, on Monday, you said, we miss so much of what God wants for us because we're looking around instead of looking up. And it, it's absolutely true. Another quote that you had that I thought was so powerful is you said, to roll over and backflow in comparisons tumultuous sea of insecurity would be a tragic mistake. Tragic because God has so much planned for you just the way you are. And you know, when I, I think that one of the greatest things is and at, at least I'll speak for myself in this. And it's still always a struggle for me, you know, like most women, I always still look at all of the things that are wrong. Um, I was just talking with my husband last night about this. Um, we're, we, he's just finishing the putting touches, uh, putting the finishing touches on the movie. And um, I'm, I host the movie, so I'm throughout the whole movie. And it's four and a half years of our family, but there's a video of our family from the time my girls are newborns. Mm -hmm. And so he has a bunch of clips in there of our family. And it's really hard for me to watch Mm -hmm. because if I know that I'm being filmed, you know, I'll do my hair and my makeup and stuff. But Uh there are lots of times where, I mean, we didn't even plan on most of this filming when they were babies, of course. And there's video of me and my hair is pulled back in a ponytail and I have no makeup on. And I just look, you know, like I just rolled out of bed and I'm like, and this is in the movie. And I'm having to just like, okay, you know what? It's okay. Like I, I'm a person. I'm just a normal person. I don't need to look like, not that I ever look like a supermodel, but I don't need to look like a supermodel throughout the entire movie. I don't have to have my hair and makeup done throughout the whole movie. Um, but as I start figuring out like who God is and who I am, and him and how he made me this way, right. I'm able to let go of that more. And the only way that we can do that is to spend time in his word, Absolutely. to know him better, to dig into God's word in the Bible and pray. And again, when we take our eyes off of us and what's around us, and we look up by looking into his word and knowing him, then it it starts to, it doesn't matter as much. Right. Because then it's about him. And like you said, how can we serve him? What did he put us here for? You know, our chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, we can't glorify him and enjoy him forever when we're constantly looking at ourselves 
and comparing absolutely or being envious or being jealous absolutely or coveting after everyone and everything else that is around us so let's take a quick break we will be right back what we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts and we say this is what you do step by step and i've witnessed it over and over again both watching andrew teach and hearing from parents this is the best writing program we've made it so easy and made it really affordable so any mom can teach writing to their children using our course and we guarantee it to try three weeks of free lessons visit iew.com we are back with heather um and so so we're talking about growing grace and and I, I love your analogy of the airport. It's hard. It's a growing um, season for us always, I think, until the day the Lord takes us home. I think we will always be growing in this way. Um, but that's a good thing. Keep, keeping our eyes focused on Him, keeping our eyes straight ahead on what really matters. What is the fourth kind of grace? Well, the fourth kind of grace is the one that most of us would rather not experience. <laughs> That's sustaining grace. Mm. You know, life is full of suffering. Yeah, it, It's full of hard times. And so seeing God's hand at work through our suffering, I mean, as, as you probably know, yeah. these are, these are times of tremendous growth, but they're yeah. also times when we're really learning to trust God, to trust his sovereignty, to trust his love for us, right? To really see his, his hand on our lives. And so his sustaining grace is one that, you know, even though it doesn't seem to neatly fit in, in a book on comparison, I, I think the challenge for a lot of us is when we're suffering, we look at someone who's not, and we mm-hmm. kind of are tempted to say, God, how is this fair? Right. Like, why me? Why us? Why did this have to happen to our family, right. you know, how, how are you good God when we're going through this and, and they're fine. And, and so I felt like it was an important topic to broach because we all have those times. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so just, just understanding, you know, really how God's hand is on us through those times of suffering, how they, they grow us. And then also I kind of dig into complaining versus lament Ah. in that chapter, because when we compare ourselves, it's a little bit more natural that we kind of complain a little bit too. Like, oh, I wish I had her house or I wish, you know, (laughs) my kids behaved like that on community day or or whatever the case may be. And, and as I insert scripture, that's not a big fan of complaining, (laughs) right? But lament is a a very beautiful way that people all throughout scripture express their hearts to God and say, this is hard, Mm -hmm. God, but I know I can trust you to be with me. I certainly don't understand it. This is, this is wrecking me on the inside, but I can trust you. And I, I think that that's a beautiful distinction and, and, and it gives me encouragement, right? Yes. That, you know, he doesn't expect us to suck it up and smile through right. the hard times. Yep. <laughs> he gives us a, a venue to express ourselves, right? But, but that we can trust him and he's always good, even when we're enduring suffering. Yeah. I appreciate that you talk about the difference between the two, because sometimes I feel like if, if I bring my cares to the Lord, like I am complaining and then I read, you know, the Psalms and I think, you know, right. King David did the same thing. 
And he wasn't complaining, but he was lamenting and he was just saying, Lord, oftentimes, Lord, where are you? Right. And then over and over again, God would just say, I'm here. Right. And he would say, trust me. And then, you know, David comes back and he he writes more about, I trusted the Lord. And this mm-hmm. is what the result was. And the Lord used that to grow King David and he he uses it to grow all of us. You know, when um when we were we tried uh, you know, we were we were married almost 11 years before we had our first child. And all I had ever wanted was to be a wife and mom. And it was really hard for me sometimes. I would have friends who would get pregnant. The hardest one was when my sister-in-law got pregnant. She was very young. She didn't really I mean, she was married, but she didn't really care or want to be pregnant at that time. And um and I remember she was even afraid to tell me, not because I was angry towards her or anything, but she just knew how desperately I wanted to be a mom. And, you know, I'd been married a whole lot longer than her. And um, and it was sometimes hard, but somehow as I clung to the Lord through that, I was able to still find joy for these other people. You know, I could rejoice in the birth of my new niece. I didn't feel like I needed to, you know, curl up in my bed and cry because my sister-in-law got to have a baby before I did. Um, because I knew I trusted the Lord and, uh, Philippians four, six through seven became my life verse at the time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with Thanksgiving by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I really had to learn like, it's okay. Just bring your request to him. He tells us we can do that. Right. You know, it's not like he says, I don't want to hear any complaints. I don't want to hear any requests. Like, do you just right. trust me completely? We have to cry out to him. He wants us to cry out to him when we need to. I mean, just like when our children are suffering or hurting, we want them to come to us as, you know, as moms and as dads, we want to be the ones to hold them and comfort them and just say, you know what? Trust me to protect you and right. trust really trust the Lord to protect you. But you know, as their earthly moms and dads, um, we want to be the ones to hold them tight. And the Lord does that for us as well. And so that's a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness. And um, if we don't go through those those times, we don't need to have faith, right? Right. No, we become self-reliant. Right. That's (laughs) exactly right. I I got this. Right. So it and so it's tremendous grace that God would allow us to walk through hard things so we we can become closer to him because really what what we should desire most yeah. you know what we should crave most is more of him and so sometimes we walk through those hard seasons so we're reminded of that and and we can experience more of him and and find joy there. Right. Absolutely. So can you give I I would love for you to talk a little bit about you mentioned in the very first episode about your childhood and how this was something that you've kind of struggled with through your childhood. And as I look at my girls and I look at other girls and think through, you know, try to think back to my childhood, mm-hmm. is there kind of a defining moment in your childhood where you felt like this is really when I started to struggle with this in my life and and what got you through that? Yeah. So my story is I, I distinctly remember being in about the third grade looking in the mirror. My mom had bought me these pants I had begged for. They were pleather, which nice. I think is called vegan leather now, oh, leather pants, and they were pink. And someday I will ask my mom why she allowed me to get <laughs> pink leather pants on that, in the third grade. But, um, but I remember looking in the mirror and seeing my legs in these pants and thinking my legs look big in pink pants. 
Hmm. And I remember going to school and looking around and thinking, oh, my legs are bigger than the legs of the other little girls around me. Hmm. And, and so what that started in me was by middle school, I was dieting. By high school, hmm. I was doing a diet called See How Long I Go Without Eating. Oh, wow. By college, I lost my period my sophomore year of college because my eating was so disordered. Now, this was the early 90s, so there were really only two categories of disordered eating back then. You were either anorexic or you were bulimic. Right. I was not underweight, but I could not throw up, although I tried. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I didn't fit into either category. And I really believed that I just had a normal girl problem, mm -hmm. that every woman struggled with the way she looked. Every woman I knew did. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just thought it was my fate because I was female that I was always going to struggle with my body image. And so I don't know that I really had any hope in, in those seasons, really growing up, um, I would, I go to the church camp. I mean, I was a good church girl. You know, I knew I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew I was God's masterpiece. Like I could quote all the verses for right. you. And I would be sure to tell you back that I kind of wished I was fearfully and wonderfully made more like she was fearfully right. and wonderfully made or that I was a like lower gallery masterpiece instead of upper gallery masterpiece. Like, you know, I, I knew the truth. I knew for Samuel that God looks on the heart, not right. the outside. And None of it seemed to matter. And so really, I stayed in that place of that for decades. Hmm. Um, I was constantly struggling, believing that if I just changed my body, mm -hmm. then I would be free from my body image issues. Right. And, and, and then a big part of my body image issues, of course, was comparison. Um, and so for other people listening, you know, it may not be a body image issue. It may be just, you know, stuck comparing, you know, where you are in life. Maybe right. you gave up a career to homeschool and, and you're still doing what I, I did. At the playground. Well, I used to work in politics. Right. <laughs> you know? Like I need an identity, please. I can't just be a mom. Right. Um, and and you know, there's there's so, oh, so many different ways we struggle. But really, it, it wasn't until I was in my mid 30s that God and His grace showed me um, showed me that these were modern day idols that I created. Mm. And so so for me, that was where my hope was found. And so to bring that back to your question, how do we help our girls? Yeah. I think we start talking about idols right away Yeah, because they're going to be tempted by idols their entire lives. I mean, I've got, I've got four kids and we have been all into Legos. Okay. Like <laughs> big, we are a big Lego house. Yeah. But I talk to my kids about idols when we talk about Legos, right? Yeah. Because they get all the sets for Christmas and then they're like, January, I don't know, 10th, they send us a new Lego catalog. <laughs> and it's like, oh, if I just had this set, then yeah. I would be happy. And it's like, no, 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 this is, okay, this is idolatry. idolatry. This is a teaching moment. Yep. <laughs> you have just gotten all of these Lego sets that you thought were going to make you happy. And now you believe that this next one will make you happy. Do you know what's going to happen here? As soon as you get this set, Two weeks, maybe, if we're lucky, will right. pass, and you're going to need another set. And that's what an idol to is. Yeah. That's what an idol tells you. And so, I think we start early, yeah. just being real with our daughters. I, I I work with lots of moms that are like, "Well, I never tell my daughter I'm dieting, or I never talk about how I don't like my." my body or I never talk about these things I want, but our kids are smart and they yeah. pick up so much more from what we do mm -hmm. <laughs> than what we say, right? What we model yeah. is so much bigger than the words that come out of our mouths. And so I just feel like it's really important to be 
honest with our girls. Tell them this is going to be hard. You're going to, you may struggle your entire life with, with these idols that are going to tell you if you were just prettier, if you were just thinner, if you just had a better job, if you just had a better house, if you were just a better, whatever, fill in the blank. And you have to know the truth that your identity will never be secure if you're putting it into that next better thing. Right. You can, you can get the weight, you can get the job, you can get all the things and you can still struggle. And so, yeah, my, my best advice is just be, let's be real with our kids and let's talk, start using, like I said earlier in in episode one, I guess it was, let's start using Bible words for these problems, right? Let's not just say, oh, I struggle with comparison too. Let's say, oh, you know what? It's hard for me not to envy when I'm on Instagram or when I see that woman on television that seems to have a perfect life. Right. Like I have to say, God, please help me not envy, or I have to even ask for his forgiveness because right. maybe I've fallen into the temptation of, of envy or covetousness or one of those things. Yeah. But 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 really being mindful about instructing our children with with biblical words to these common yeah. struggles, biblical words like idolatry right. and, and, and like the, the sins that are behind comparison. How do we do that without guilting them? Mm. Because that's definitely something that you don't want to do. <laughs> We're trying to help them, not guilt right. them more. Uh, right. So how do, how do we encourage? Actually, you know what? We're out of time. We're going to leave this cliffhanger. <laughs> We're going to come back tomorrow. And we're going to continue this conversation because I want to talk about how we can instill this into our girls without making them feel guilty about struggling, about the struggle that they face because they they all face it just like we do. So, so we will be back. We're going to tie this up. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll continue talking about this. Heather, thank you again for joining me today. Um, people can find you where? What's your website Compa- again? Yeah, compared to who dot me. Okay. Our do podcast and the book is all the places Christian books are sold. Fantastic. We'll have all of those links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Heather. We will be back with you guys tomorrow to finish this conversation. We love you. Have a fantastic rest of your afternoon. Bye-bye. Every year, parents just like you are discovering Classical Conversations, a vibrant, supportive Christian homeschooling program that's been equipping parents since 1997 with the resources, tools, guidance, and encouragement they need to homeschool their children with confidence and prepare them for a lifetime of success. Visit our website at classicalconversations.com to find a nearby community and learn more about homeschooling the Classical Conversations way. Classical Conversations, Christian homeschooling simplified.